Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Wow, buddy! You look healthy and happy. Veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. That's why he developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Hmm. Maybe I should try some of your pet food myself. Okay, okay. I'll start with a salad. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Crime World with me, Nicola Talent, is coming to your town with live shows across the country. Following our flagship show, Omerta, almost sold out at the Olympia Theatre Dublin on April 27th, we're taking to the road with promoter MCD. We'll be in Dolans of Limerick on May 3rd and in Belfast Limelight on May 17th. Then it's on to Cork at Cypress Avenue on May 18th and finally Galway, where we will perform at Monroe's on May 19th. For tickets, check venue websites. Omerta, the sacred secret code of the underworld. But what happens to those who break it? Patsy was the primary target for the Kinahan cartel. The graffiti that went up around North Dublin, uh, North Inner City Dublin was, if Patsy dies, the feud ends. With knowledge of the existence of the Hutch criminal organised gangs. Yeah. That, that was the extra bit of that charge. It wasn't just that they were getaway drivers, but they knew that this was a, a gangland operation. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. He's been freed from murder charges and has gone straight back into the bosom of his family in Dublin's north inner city. But while the Hutches are celebrating the freedom of their elder Jerry the Monk Hutch, they've been left with a stark warning from Gardaí and by a judgment at the Special Criminal Court. While the state could not prove beyond reasonable doubt that the Monk was a shooter at the Regency, Justice Tara Burns did say that the Hutch family had killed David Byrne and had come together to carry out the Regency attack. So who are the Hutch group? And who are the dirty dozen named in the course of the trial as being the Regency hit team? Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald about the future of the Hutch Organised Crime Group and its top command. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Lonely light that shines from you You wind up like the 
So the tweet that goes with is from a, a, an account called Free the Monk and it says, this video is for everyone who supported the monk, who wished him well, silently are on here and for everyone who gave me the encouragement to keep pushing forward with the campaign to hashtag Free the Monk. I hope this puts a huge smile on all your faces. Thank you for your support. Yes. And you made Waterford Whispers yeah. today. Well, I mean, I wasn't telling you that because of that because I'm on it. No. But it's more... And what did Waterford... <laughs> Waterford Whispers have uh, live updates from the court, which includes uh, Judge Tara Burns telling, asking Nicola Talent to stop recording a live podcast in the court. Imagine we could have done that. That would have been really exciting, wouldn't it? Yeah, huh? but I suppose it just shows this is this is where this this case it's captured the public imagination in a in a different way. This isn't the public. This is free. The monk is coming from the monk camp. And it has, and it replaced yeah. the whistleblower, yeah. which was the first kind of social media site propaganda a bit that it was coming from the monk's camp. It's always been about supporting him yeah. and, and Auntie Kinnahan. And uh, while I'm not so sure about Free the Monk because I haven't been that totally okay with it, but it's certainly been providing commentary during the trial and, you know, retweeting certainly tweets from certain journalists and this sort of thing. The previous one, the whistleblower, was the social media site where a lot of the secrets yeah. of the years that the Hutch, Gary Hutch, was involved with the Kinahan mob sort of flooded out from. Yeah, and of course it came following probably the initial uh, Twitter page, Sarah Sean, which was a pro-Kinahan yeah. site, really. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So And that was set up just in the kind of the weeks after the um the Regency attack. Yeah. And it it named, of course, Jonathan Dowdall and it came up in the trial because he was named photographed on that yeah. um social media site before he ever was kind of linked to it yeah. in any public way. Yeah, so I mean it just but it, it does show that the we're in a new era of gangland now mm. um, where Social media, like every, has changed. Even even that, those narratives have been changed again by social media. There's just no doubt about it. So you know, for the public and everybody else, the celebrations going on. Of course, there is. There's no no doubt about it. You know, if you have walked, you've got got a not guilty um, judgment when you were facing life imprisonment. If you've been found guilty, you're going to celebrate. You're going to be back with your family yeah. and all the rest of it the Elton John song, I'm Still Standing, quite fitting in one way. Yeah. But the reality of the situation isn't quite so cheery for the Hutches. No. As far as we know, Jerry Hutch uh, was in uh, the inner city last night, spent some time with certain members of his family and friends, a low-key kind of celebration, I suppose. Yeah. Um, But, you know, whether... He will go now. Is is the general presumption? Probably not based on any anything that Jerry Hutch has said to anybody. But there's a, a general feeling that he won't stay long in the country. And rather than maybe jetting off to never hear be heard of again, there certainly is a, a an ongoing a major investigation into what is known as the Hutch Organised Crime Group. In the aftermath of yesterday's verdict, the Guardi put out a very brief statement noting the verdict, um, but adding adding to it, saying that it remains alive. The Regency Hotel murder remains alive investigation, and that they still believe that 
people could be come before the courts in connection with that. And that is where we are. That's where we are. And we thought that it'd be interesting because this there's so much really to go through with this that today what we'll concentrate on is what we did learn from this trial. Uh, the trial of Jason Bonney, the trial of Paul Murphy and the trial of Jerry Hutch that has gone on since last October. The evidence given to it and the names and, you know, that came up from the witness, Jonathan Dowdall, but also the kind of the detail that we got from Miss Justice Tara Burns' um, uh, verdict and judgment that was delivered yesterday. Yeah, so when a written judgment is is very different, as as I've said before, to a normal a normal uh, guilty or not guilty verdict, which you would get from a jury. Um, Jerry Hutch was cleared comprehensively, cleared of an, of of murder, um, with a very detailed explanation of why, an explanation that makes very logical and rational sense while you are there. So Jerry Hutch walks out of court a free man, as everybody has probably seen at this stage. However, there were other details in the judgment given. Um, in particular, um, Justice Tower Burns, in her judgment, recognised the existence of the, the Hutch organised crime group, the fact that the um, the Regency murder was carried out by this group, and the fact that the Hutch clan are uh, suspected of involvement in that and that 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 is written in 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 this judgment yeah. and ha- and now carries a certain amount of weight that and she she also mentioned at one point in it that at least 12 people were involved in the regency yeah so and we we're going to go through them because yeah. a lot of them have been named in the courts and just see what has kind of come up about them so the first person would be Patsy Hutch. Yeah, so Patsy Hutch, um, you know, was not as I've never faced. He's been wandering around town, by the way. Yeah, he's been wandering around town today. Yeah. Patsy Hutch has never faced any uh, charge in connection with the Regency, but his name featured large in various strands of evidence given in, in the court. It featured in what Jonathan Dowdle said in his witness statement, but it all, he also featured in very heavily in surveillance footage that was shown to the court, um, where he where Patsy Hutch met with a, a guy called Shane Rowan. Shane Rowan is uh, a, a dissident Republican figure. Um, he's been convicted of uh, possession of the weapons that were used in the Regency, the AK-47 rifles, and we heard how Patsy Hutch met with Shane Rowan and a handover subsequently occurred of the weapons between what is believed to be the Hutch gang and, and, and Shane Rohn's dissident group. Um, so Patsy Hutch was was referenced in the judgment. Um, do you have it there, the, the yeah. actual... Well, Patsy Hutch, I think there was... What was said in the judgment was there was a possibility that Patsy Hutch planned the Regency hit yeah. and that he was... Um, sort of in charge of the weapons around the time of the Regency, but that Jerry Hutch was in charge of the weapons in the aftermath of the Regency. It was accepted that the three yokes they spoke about in the car, in the recordings, were the AK-47s that were used at the Regency, two of which were shot at David Byrne, and that Patsy was in charge of them before and and Jerry afterwards. So what... Justice Tara Byrne said was, while the court was satisfied that members of the Hutch family were responsible for the region, Regency attack, it was not satisfied beyond reasonable doubt that Jared Hutch was guilty of murder. And in fact, she said um, 
there was a reasonable possibility that the regency was planned by Patsy Hutch and that Gerard Hutch stepped in in the aftermath as the head of the family. Mm-hmm. So that's placing both of them in a, in a in a different context than what the state, the case the state had made. Mm. Um, so where this leads from here, I think, is is the big question. So that was the first. And Patsy Hutch did loom large over the trial. I mean, I remember listening to the evidence at the very beginning and thinking on a number of occasions, was the wrong brother in the dock, the way he kept coming into it. And I think in particular that CCTV you've spoken about with Shane Rowan, because, of course, he goes to meet Shane Rowan. He goes in for a coffee and a Danish with him. Yeah. He comes out, the car seems to go into a kind of crash repair area, Shane Rowan's car, into a crash repair garage for about 20 or 30 minutes. They go back, collect it, and then they sort of go their separate ways. And Rowan is, of course, um, arrested and slain. Because with the three guns in the back. If you look back since the very beginning of the feud, Patsy was the primary target for the Kinnahan cartel. Um, if you remember, remember the graffiti. So the, yeah, the graffiti that went up around North Dublin, uh, North Inner City Dublin was, if Patsy dies, the feud ends, basically. Um, there was a number of, there's a large number of people behind bars for attempts on Patsy Hutch's life. Um Certainly in some of the propaganda that sites that we spoke about, Patsy was thrown into the middle of it. Now, you have to be, there was, his name also came up in various bits of evidence, even to do with Paul uh, Murphy and Jason Bonney yesterday, Mm -hmm. about how one of the key cards for the Birmingham Village, which the state described as the centre of the the headquarters of the plot, basically. One of those key cards was found in a jacket in Patsy Hutch's Hutch's house. He was also under guard of surveillance on the day of the AK. He was was a subject of guard of surveillance himself, you know, very shortly after the Regency attack. So he had obviously become a suspect very early on. Now, of course, we spoke about him and the graffiti on the wall and all the rest of it, and the amount of times he was targeted, because he was targeted at one point, there was a, a hit attempt or plan averted. Yeah. The anniversary of his son, Gary Hutch, who was murdered yeah. in Spain, he was to go to the grave, and yeah. they sort of, the, the, I think the Guardian uncovered a plot to kill him over the grave of his son. He was also eight men, I think the most successful ever Garda operation to avert a hit, yeah. an expensive one, but eight men were were convicted in relation to a plot to kill him, which involved a van being uh, hidden in an underground car yeah. park that somebody was going to go up and cause damage at a home of a relative of his. He's hot-headed, obviously, Patsy Hutch, so they believed that he was going to come storming out of his house on Champions Avenue and go up to find out what had gone on, and at that point they were going to pull out and kill him. Now, interestingly, when we were running the movie club over the year and in The Godfather, very similar uh, assassination happens to Sonny um, Corleone, because yeah. I think it's his sister is, there's a, a kind of a call to his house that the sister has been beaten up or something by the husband and he goes out in a rage yeah. and he heads the direction and they absolutely like, you know. Yeah, so it was exactly, it was a very elaborate plot and they also believed that if a if a Hutch house was, was a Hutch relative's house was targeted, that would distract the police. Yeah. That would just, and Patsy would come out and that in that time, the police would rush up to that house 
Um, and of course, Imre Arrakis, when he was the Estonian hitman, when he was flown into Ireland by Daniel Kinahan in a bid to uh, murder Mago Gately, who is, of course, will come on to next because he's the second highest target and was also um, placed at the Regency during this trial. But um, Imre Arrakis, when he came in from Dublin Airport on the bus and he went up and had a little walk around the north inner city. He walked past and looked down at um, uh, Patsy Hutch's house in Champions Avenue. And then he went on up to where Gareth Hutch had been murdered in Avondale House. Yeah. And he looked at the Sunset House, of course, where Michael Barr was was murdered before walking back into town. And he was seen caught by surveillance officers getting into a van with Blakestown tires written on the side of it. That's when they knew he was here to kill. Um, Mago Gately is also placed in the gang by during this this trial and Mago Gately is currently a target of the Criminal Assets Bureau he has survived how many assassination attempts certainly he was shot once survived two very serious yeah. assassination attempts which people are are currently behind bars for um Mago Gately was put in the frame by Jonathan Dowdle uh, in Jonathan Dowdle's testimony which in in fairness has been shown yeah. not to be uh well, not to be credible, basically. Mm. I mean, the guy is a liar. That's what it's, it's been said. And But he put Michael Gately, he said in his his confession uh, that Jerry Hutch also threw Michael Gately in the frame for that, for the for being one of the tactical team of, of gunmen in the Regency. Again, Michael Gately, James Michael Gately, has never been charged um, with anything to do with the Regency. Um, but he... Mago Gately was was a really close personal friend of Gary Hutch in particular. Mm. Um, carried his coffin. Carried his coffin. Grew up with him. Um, before that, he had uh, Gately had been pally with Daniel Kinahan. Um, there's a famous picture of Daniel Kinahan uh, coaching him in in the boxing ring as as Michael Gately's in a in a kind of white collar boxing and and. And Daniel, yeah, Daniel Kinnan's in his corner giving him advice. So many people in that video. Yeah, um, um, but Gately remained loyal to the Hutches. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that is beyond doubt. Um, even though he would been extremely pally with people like Gary Finnegan, who who stayed loyal with the Kinnahans. I mean, these people would have been lifelong associates. So Gately has definitely been a, the the primary target for the for the. For the Kinahan gang. So they're the Hutch brothers and Mago Gately. And if we move next to a third Hutch brother who's who passed away, of course, Neddy Hutch. Yeah. And he is mentioned in um the judgment yesterday in connection with Buckingham Village. He's at Buckingham Village on the morning when the state have said that the the uh, Regency hit team, and that was accepted about the evidence in relation to Buckingham Village and the gathering of the Regency hit team there. Yeah, so the, in the judgment, like they went through bits of it, uh, they went through all the testimony. In some cases, they just said this was said. In some cases, they said things were described, but some, th- they made findings of fact about various things, which they described as being beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. One of them was that I, that Kevin Murray Flackcap ended up in Buckingham Village and that a convoy of cars brought Kevin Murray then from Buckingham Village to the Regency where he was involved in the shooting and photographed openly. Now, Nettie Hutch is described as being on the phone to Paul Murphy that morning and um, Paul Murphy, in a statement to Gardy, or certainly in conversation with Gardy, said he had spoken to Neddy Hutch that morning. Neddy Hutch um, 
was due to give him a loan, I think he said. Yeah. Um, so, look, Deddy Hutch uh, has been described as a soft target. He was obviously killed very shortly after the Regency Hotel. Um, but some of this testimony at least puts him in conversation with some and, people. And at that gathering of, of the, the, the hit team as such yeah. that, that gathered there that morning in Buckingham Village. Now, he's not here to defend himself. I was going to say, Eddie, Eddie Hutch, of course, was a taxi driver. Yeah. And um, kind of a fraudster, an old school fraudster, blagger. And apparently had been... A, him as. Yeah, and, and had been involved in some of the movement of money involving what was suspected as being proceeds of bank robberies. Um also have been, you know, where, where people had always said Jared Hutch and, and Christy Kinnan were associates, but I don't know if they'd ever really known each other well. No, because it was Eddie that was the actual original link with Christy Kinnan. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. And I know that they were pals yeah. and did hang around together long before long before Christy Kinnan was a figure. Because Eddie Hutch with. apparently was into kind of moving stolen goods or yeah. whatever, you know, there was the days back in the days they were still probably there was there was certainly thieving going on from warehousing whatever was left around the ports that kind of thing and they would just sort of shift it into the legitimate economy there's yeah. a, a word for the guy who does that fence fence yeah, yeah yeah and um that was Christy Kinahan Sr. Yeah. because Kinahan Sr. was this guy who came from a middle class background cabra he had the dapper John, yeah. even back then, he had good manners. He was kind of able to be suave and sophisticated. And he was the guy who would go and sell, you know, yeah. the ripped off mattresses, the beds, whatever it was they had. And he would front that and sell it into the legitimate economy. And that's actually how they yeah. all sort of met. Yeah, and they were pals, like, by yeah. all accounts. And and this is, I mean, I don't know if this is the 80s, the 90s, whatever it is. The 80s, I'd say. Yeah, and that mm. even... Uh, Eddie, Eddie Hutch's former wife who passed away very recently that they were all palled around together at the same time with Christy, mm. Christy Senior. Um, and there's always a suggestion that as the feud developed in advance of the Regency that Christy had at least made contact with the, with, with possibly had a meeting with Patsy Hutch, you know, at some point to try and settle these things down. You know, the exact details of it, you mm. know, I'm not fully sure, but obviously some deal was done, an amount of money, 200,000 or whatever, was meant to have been handed over and that uh, Patrick O' Jr. was meant to have been sh shot, uh, given a punishment shooting. Yeah. And all of this, at least in part, was meant to have come between that contact between uh, Nettie Hutch and, and Christy Sr. That story's told loads of different ways. Loads of and different again, ways. It's a bit like, you know, will we ever get to the bottom of everything? I don't know. I don't know. I've heard that story told that Jerry Hutch stood, stepped in and he, that he met with Daniel Kinahan. Yeah. Um, that Christy Kinahan was way beyond all this sort yeah. of localised trouble yeah. at this point. And he would have actually been based in Dubai at this yeah. point. But that uh, Jerry met with Daniel, thought he'd done a deal, came back to Dublin met with Gary Hutch, etc. And the deal that was done, it doesn't matter who did it no. or who met or whatever, but yeah. the deal that was done uh, instilled so much confidence in Gary Hutch, of course, that yeah. he not only was able to be out and about in the streets of Dublin, he went right back into the heartland of the Costa del Sol. Yeah. He went back to Spain to sort of set up on his own. Yeah. He was going to he was going to operate by himself and wholesale presumably into his own network of contacts here yeah. in Ireland. Yeah. Um, so that's how 
much it was believed that that deal was done yeah. and that it was rocks. And of course, Kinnahan's yeah. killed Gary. Yeah. And James Quinn, a childhood friend of Daniel Kinahan, yeah. a man who we were told was his personal hitman out in Spain, who was on a retainer and who got bonuses every time he killed somebody, who was living a very lavish lifestyle, was arrested on board a yacht and had a fancy villa and there was a lot of cash found in the safe in his home. But he was eventually found guilty of the murder of Gary Hutch. Yeah. Um Certainly with, with Neddy, like, you know, in recent years, he hadn't been regarded as being operating as a criminal. In what any age particular... was Neddy when he was killed? Was he well know. in his late 60s? Or is know. that my imagination? He would have been. He um, was in his 60s. He's the older brother. So although he had been sort of involved in uh, the Hutch Gang, as we call it, yeah. back in the day, moving money, he was not regarded at the time as being sort of anybody you know, basically a taxi man living a very ordinary mm. life. However, you know, the, the, some of this evidence shows at least he was in touch with people in there this time. He doesn't get to go to court now. He's been murdered brutally on his on his doorstep. He doesn't go, yeah. get to go to court and say, you know, I didn't do that or that phone call was made for this reason. However, he's, he's thrown back in the mix here. Yeah. Um, certainly. In, in, in so, and those two brothers, uh, um, Patsy and Eddie didn't move out of the north inner city no. ever. They remained there and they reared their own yeah. families within yeah. the north inner city, which was a very different uh, experience that Jerry Hutch's yeah. family have had because he, of course, moved like his mentor, Eamon Kelly, yeah. out of the suburbs to Clontarf to a very nice home yeah. and everybody was educated and kept well away from, yeah. um, you know, I suppose a community that was surrounded with drugs yeah. and crime. Yeah. And one way, whatever way you look at it, the North Inner City has certainly been dogged by those issues. So where are we now? How many have we got? We've got three brothers named yeah. plus uh, Mago Gately. Yeah. Now, obviously, there are currently four people in jail convicted for yeah. their roles in the Regency. There's Jonathan Dowdall, ironically. Yeah. Uh, his father, Patrick Dowdall, yeah. who both were involved in in um, renting a room yeah, in the so, hotel. I mean, that's which that's used... the offence that they've basically been done for, which is facilitating the Regency attack by renting the room that was certainly used by flat cap Kevin Murray. And of course, Jonathan was due to go on trial for murder, but yeah. did some sort of a plea bargain, which we've discussed and no doubt we will again. So yeah. we're on to six. Yeah. So the other two currently in jail now are Jason Bonney yeah. while he's awaiting sentence. Do they get bail? I don't know. I think they, they went to prison. They went to prison. Yeah. Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy. Yeah. Both of them were pleaded not guilty but were, were found guilty of essentially providing getaway vehicles yeah. at St. Vincent's, Vincent's GAA Club um, and of travelling in convoy with the Regency hit team yeah. when they left Buckingham Village that exactly. morning. Exactly. With knowledge, I suppose the key bit is with knowledge of the, the existence I'm of the... I'm holding my fingers <laughs> because you know how bad I am accounting. Well, with knowledge of the existence of the Hutch crim criminal... Organized gangs, so, yeah. so like that—that that was the extra bit of that charge. It wasn't just that they were getaway drivers, but they knew that this was a, a gangland operation. I suppose. Yeah. Now, Jonathan Hutch was thrown into the mix as part of this judgment. Jonathan Hutch, the son of Johnny, the nephew of Jerry, Eddie, and Patsy. Yeah. And Jonathan Hutch 
is a guy, I think he was a taxi driver as well, actually. He was, um, he survived one of what was the, one of the most horrendous, not that one murder is better than another, but murders of the feud because it was a totally innocent man yeah. called Trevor O'Neill, who was on holiday with his family in Mallorca in the summer of 2016, August 2016, August 2017, yeah. August yeah. 2016. And um, Jonathan Hutch had travelled out to Mallorca on a family holiday. He had been spotted there by a member of, a senior member of a uh, Thomas Bomber Kavanagh's organization. Yeah. Because they, of course, have big villas on Mallorca and the Burn, the Kavanagh crew holidayed there for years. Um, he was spotted. A hitman was flown out yeah. to the island, provided with a gun, and the hitman went uh, to attack Jonathan Hutch as he came walking down the street one evening. Uh, Jonathan Hutch spotted him, ran. I was I was out there and I was yeah. I was at the spot and it was kind of like this, you know, they were all staying in a hotel and there was a little village down the road. You could just so picture it, you know, yeah. because Trevor O'Neill was there with three young children and his wife and you can just imagine the day at the pool, people, no matter how much sun yeah. cream you'd slathered on, somebody would have been a bit sunburned. You'd have gone into your apartment, got changed for the night and headed out. One of the kids was in a pram and the others were, were holding on to the the side of it, a narrow little cobblestone sort of street, bunking along, thinking about which restaurant you'd go to. Yeah. You know, you've probably been to the mall already. Yeah. Which one? And everything's, the food's all the same. You know, these holidays, the fabulous package holidays. And um, they're walking down the street and this guy runs at them. Yeah. In a hood. And if you even had a second to think, this is strange the way he was dressed in the heat. And the guy, Trevor O'Neill, had been speaking to Jonathan Hutch because they'd met at the pool never met before but they would met at the pool when they were during the day and Jonathan Hutch spots him and he runs down this laneway and at the end of the laneway there was this sort of wall and a a, a gate and he scaled it and yeah. he ran thinking and obviously he was the target he later told yeah. police on the island he was the target and what does the gunman do? Glenn Clark, of course, who had uh, been flown out to the island and was previously suspected of other hits working basically for yeah. Bomber Kavanagh's yeah, outfit. Contract killer. Based. Contract killer, yeah. yeah. Uh, instead of, he realised, according to, because I, I actually interviewed the police out there in Mallorca and we, we followed the steps of it and everything. But he realised, actually, that Jonathan Hutch was his target and he'd run away. And in temper, the police yeah. believe, he turned around, looked at Trevor O'Neill, knew he wasn't there to kill him and just shot him dead yeah. in front of his wife and his children. Yeah, shocking. I mean... There's no words. No. I mean, it, it just shows you the, the savagery that was going on. I mean, it, there was always a sense that he had to shoot somebody, so he just shot an innocent man. Ben you know? Clark had been a boxer. Yeah. And he, some time later, mm. was discovered dead himself in a car with a gunshot wound. Yeah. I mean, initially there was talk that he committed suicide and secondly then there was a suspicion had he been killed had he been shot dead but it's it seems ultimately that he accidentally shot himself while transporting a weapon I mean, he was processed as a suicide actually yeah. and um i think it was only in the aftermath of that and he had been cremated his remains had been cremated returned to his family and cremated um it was in the aftermath that they managed to link him to a couple yeah. of murders, but sure, there was no way of then going no. back to work out. There was talk, a lot of talk, that had he been killed, 
because yeah. he'd screwed up. Yeah. Um, he was also the gunman who shot dead the poor homeless chap down here, Martin yeah. Martin O'Rourke. Martin O'Rourke, another uh, another case of mistaken identity. Um, the, one of the people in the broader Hutch organisation was believed to be drinking in a pub in in in, in the Sheriff Street area. Um, Glenn Clark had been called. He got the weapon, landed at the scene. On a bike. On a bike and targeted the wrong guy, an absolutely harmless uh, local guy, you know, who, mm. who'd, who'd, who'd far, about as far away from organised crime as you can get. Mm. Um, you know, harmless by all accounts, you know. So where were we then? Because I so was... Jonathan Hutch in, in, in yes, the Yes, Jonathan judgment. Hutch in the judgment. Yes, thank you. And I was there, I think. Yeah. So in the judgment... Um, we heard, I think in we have heard his his name mentioned during the case, um, but we heard sort of a good bit of detail about what they referred to and named as the glove box phone. Um, so this is a phone that was referred that that was discovered in a taxi um, by the police during a search. Um, at the time of the ta- the taxi was searched, Jonathan Hutch had said. That yes, that's the taxi I've been using. Um, there was a phone in the glove box; wasn't covered in the glove box. It was a, a, an unregistered burner, re- burner mm. as they call it. Um, that phone had three numbers saved on it. Uh, one of them was Boise or something. I remember that from Only mm-hmm. Fools and Horses. Mm-hmm. So it had only three. It only had three numbers on it. Um, and those three phones were phones that had been activated on the day of the Regency. They'd all 10 euro credit had been put on them. They'd been turned on that morning, shortly before the Regency attack. They'd been turned off shortly after the Regency attack and had never been used subsequently again. And that was, details were given to that as part of the judgment, as part of the investigation. Uh, Jonathan Dowdle obviously has, or sorry, Jonathan Hutch has not been uh charge in connection with the Regency has not been brought before any courts. However, that evidence was read out in open court. Yeah. Um, Gareth Hutch was murdered in Avondale House in April of 2016. And Gareth Hutch was a taxi driver. Yeah. And Gareth Hutch isn't here to defend himself. But certainly the uh, intelligence would suggest that he was identified by the Kinahan grouping. Yeah. He has not been named in this judgment or nor has no. his name come up in this trial at all. But the Kinahan group identified him as one of the getaway drivers. Yeah, because you heard agency. we heard repeatedly there uh, yesterday about these um six cars acting in convoy. Now we know as beyond all reasonable doubt now at this stage that Paul Murphy mm-hmm. was driving one of them, that Jason Bonney was driving the other and that there were four other cars yeah. driven to uh, St. Vincent's GAA pitch. E- the, the, the six men hit team each got into one of these cars. And they split up. Which split up. Yeah. So obviously at least six people drove those yeah. six cars at the very minimum. Um, as you said, the Kinnahans blamed Garrett Hutch, rightly or wrongly, that's 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 for being one of them. That's why he was targeted. The same way as Eddie Hutch was targeted by them because yeah. they were blamed. They were yes. early identified as 
what the Kinnahans believe to be part of yeah. the Regency team. Now, obviously, Patrick Hutch was identified in the trial because he was the Jonathan Dowdle, the liar, yeah. told the court a story that we have heard over the years numerous times yeah. that Patrick Hutch was um, the, with his brother Gary Hutch had targeted had had made a kind of an early attempt to target Daniel Kinahan at his home in Estepona uh, one night after a party and instead a shooter in the garden of that house shot Jamie Moore the boxing coach instead he was left injured and then this scenario that the the compensation had to be paid yeah. in relation to that and that Patrick Hutch and it was said in the judgment I think from memory that Patrick Hutch was brought to the Matter Hospital yeah. where he was received uh, surgery surgery or whatever for yeah, his injuries treated for for a gunshot wound yeah. in the leg that's what Bob was heard in court so Patrick Hutch Junior obviously went on trial for the Regency hotel murder like his uncle. He was not convicted. Um, a null prosecutor was entered after a, a, a couple of weeks of evidence. Um, he walked out of court like his uncle, and uh, and that that's that case. So he he remains a man of innocent in the eyes of the law. However, John identified as this yeah. and as part of this Hutch gang that the Justice Tara yeah. Burns talks about. Exactly. Yes, identified in court as as the man in drag, mm-hmm. by Jonathan Dowdle. Now, Jonathan Dowdle also identified him, said one of the key bits of evidence, which we've spoken about again, but again it came up um, that Jonathan Dowdle said that, that he recognised Patrick Hutch Jr. from the photograph in the Sunday World mm. just in advance of meeting Jerry Hutch. That was said it could not be true. The, the, the judges found that that case that he could, that because that picture was pixelated in the Sunday world, Jonathan Dowdle's evidence to the police could not be true. However, I think the, the judgment said that that picture, if you had other knowledge, yeah. um, you know, you could have you could deciphered have worked out. basically who it was. Of course, the other person in that picture is number 11 in this hit team yeah. of 12. Um, and that's flat cap Kevin Murray, who was very openly running about that hotel without any masks, nothing, and had stayed the night the night before and drank a pint. We saw the CCTV of him sitting at the bar openly having a pint the night before. There's all sorts of theories around this. Um, I think it's safe enough to say that he was unwell at that time. He was supposed to have been paid 50000 for this role yeah. that he had. And... He certainly had to have been placed there on masks for a reason, which had to have to do with the dissidents being involved. <sighs> I mean, it do, it's, it's so complex. But so complex. I suppose generally the theory is that the the Hutch faction wanted it to be the Kinnans to believe they had the backing of the the IRA. Let's just call them. Yeah, and that by Kevin Murray, people would know who he was. He'd be photographed. That that's what the Kinnons would believe and would be much more reluctant to strike back. Uh, Kevin Murray subsequently passed away, yeah. not due to due to a, a incurable uh, MS. I think he had brain condition. Yeah, let's okay. put it that way. And um, so he, you know, maybe he knew he was going to die. Though some people have said he didn't find out till afterwards, but however, again, we don't know for sure, but Mm. maybe he knew he was going to die and he took one last payday and uh, uh, 
you know, he, ultimately he wasn't extradited to, to, to face no. the charges down here because of how unwell he was. Um, so he, nobody is, uh, seems to be saying he's not guilty of, of, of any of the names he's mentioned. Everybody seems to accept that beyond reasonable doubt that he... The picture doesn't lie. The picture doesn't lie. Yeah. And that he his movements are so well documented. Um, he stayed in the hotel, it was documented. Travelled to Buckingham Village, it was documented. Photographed with the gun. Photographed with the gun. Yeah. Definitely. Um, number 12, we're going to just say there was a small mention yeah. in the court and we'll have to go back over the transcripts properly to see exactly who, who how that was mentioned, who it was. So that's number yeah. 12. And actually, in her judgment, I think Tara Burns was just saying at least 12 because yeah. they, you know, you had six cars and six hitmen. Yeah. That makes 12. Yeah. But I suppose in the wider picture, the those six hitmen disappeared into the city. Yeah. They were housed somewhere. Yeah. They were kept in safe houses. Uh, you know, where were those guns stored before they were used? Where were they stored after they were where, used? And where did they come from? Where did they come from? Um, you know, who who was involved in uh in in the disguise and in other parts of the logistics of getting people around and who knew about it? Yeah. Who knew about it and said nothing. So you know, 12 is the minimum, I suppose, yeah. really. But ultimately, of those 12 and anybody else that, you know, was involved in the periphery, yeah. the guards have said that they are going to actively pursue murder charges yeah. and further charges in relation to the, the murder of David Byrne, despite yeah. this setback of Jerry. The second um, setback. The second if, setback, if yeah. Patrick Hutch Jr. And here we are, 2023, 2016. Seven years oh, on. Oh, well done. Well done. Thank you. That was actually very, and like the, but. Um, you co- corroborated it with your fingers. <laughs> what happened to you yesterday, do you know? Oh, go on. It was a little sort of a. I'm not talking about it. Thing. Come on. I'm not talking Anyway, um, so, you know, this city's not really very big for, no. and, and I suppose as well, I suppose that whole Hutch organization is so near us here. Yeah. Um, what are they going to do? And. Do they stay, face the music and fight if they're brought before the courts? Do they run? Do they try and disappear into where? A lot of the Hutch organization, while they were described as a, a you know, an organized crime grouping, they quite clearly just would not have the funds, I imagine. There are certain amounts of properties and funds and wealth and investments involved in the Hutch organization. I imagine, I could be completely wrong, it's not in that many hands. No. And certainly uh, some of the kind of the underlings of the grouping, we can see them walking around. They just don't have the cash to do anything. They don't have the money to disappear. They don't have the money to... So, I mean, like, I think Jonathan Dowdle was a, a trump card that the state hoped... Um, would, would or would he, they hoped Jonathan Dowdle would prove to be a trump a trump card to bring them all down to bring a number of the the key players down and that he would be a good witness that he would maybe uh, be a believable witness and that he could place he could he could provide um you know he could provide active witness statements against against a number of people. I mean, I think that is definitely dead in the water mm. at this point. Um, if you see what convicted uh, Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy, 
like really was painstaking CCTV invest investigation, uh, painstaking phone work, witness statements from all sorts of people. Really, really, you know that that type of work. Do they have this on on? Yeah, on, but surely they do have that on the on the rest of the convoy. Well, they must have it. Um, they have to have it on the other four cars. But well, of one course, of them, of course, was a van, was it? And the van was burnt out. The van was burnt out. So is that the sh they have the chassis number of that van? Yeah. Because so that was read into the judgment. Yeah. So they have. The, I mean, the, the van obviously took the guys from the mm. from the Regency to the GA pitch. But there are those other cars. You know, it's interesting that they don't have people getting out of these cars. We don't. We didn't mm. hear um, details of that at any point. So they must have some CCTV. They obviously don't have enough. The broader question is. Is is the anti-gangland laws that have been used extensively now against the the, the Kenyan organised crime group? I mean, I don't know the exact number now. Are we at of people that have been put behind bars from? Oh, the there's over seventy. Over seventy, mostly under these gangland laws. Um, those laws have not been used as extensively against the Hutches. Mm -hmm. Is there going to be further charges of that type? That facilitation, um, you know, it, there, there's obviously a Criminal Assets Bureau case that you're speaking about regarding uh, James Mango Gately. Is there further charges like that? Mm. And then the real question is this other investigation into into that involves uh, John Spud Murphy. Mm. Um, John Spud Murphy is a former detective. Um, who is currently serving a six-year sentence, yeah. isn't it, for, for for possession of, you know, six figures, a quantity of cannabis. of cannabis. So is that going to lead then? He apparently has ties with the Hutch Organised Crime Group. He, you know, there seems to be an active investigation into were, were people getting uh, mm -hmm. confidential information and did Jerry Hutch get information about his European arrest warrant through this same network? Yes. And so, also were they were the Hutch members of the Hutch gang getting information? Is it a crime to get information? Well, it's a crime to induce corruption, I think. So is it a, is, is it a crime under the Garda Shiakona Act? Because in actual fact, let me just think about this because do you remember for a long period of time we had guards rattling in here, yeah. mainly from the National Bureau of yeah. Criminal Investigation asking us about our sources. Yeah. Was the crime to get the information or was the crime Well, I think to, there's a different degree of getting the information mm. and there's certainly the well, if it was, was got through blackmail or something, that would be... No, there's also inducing corruption is, right. can be a crime where if you, if I pay you five grand to look up Pulse, yeah. that could be a criminal offence. If you look up Pulse and tell me something, uh -huh. I probably haven't committed a, a criminal offence. But if I pay you to do it, yeah. I'm inducing corruption, okay. I, I would think. So that could be a different thing. And then, um, so th that would be, a, that would be a, I think, a, a distinction that would be made. So if John Spud Murphy or, or anybody else, if there was transfers of money, that would make a big difference. Do we have any idea how this emerged? Well, I mean... How it came out? That the connections, but the suspected connections between John Spud Murphy and Jerry Hutch, is it to do with his extradition? Was it to do with the fact that he went into Spain and went missing when the Spanish police were 
due to arrest him. He was due home to Lanzarote, do you remember? They were out at the airport waiting for him to fly back to Lanzarote and he never showed up and he went dark in Spain for a number of months before he was arrested in that restaurant. Well, obviously nothing's come to court, so you don't hear these things. You hear rumours and suspicions. Um, but, you know, by by what, what we have heard is that John Murphy's home was raided as part of an investigation into kind of leaking information and the cannabis was maybe not... Well, it wasn't expected to be found. It wasn't expected yeah. to be found. Yeah. Obviously, um, you know, it's an ongoing investigation. Look, we're going to be here until we're... Yeah. I'm going to be like, I'll be like exactly what Anthony <laughs> said I was Yeah. Uh, by the time we're finished with all this. So look, um, yeah, what next for the Hutch Organised Crime Group? That's what we were just really wanting to have a little chat about that, who they are, who we can name now, what that judgment means for them. And um, look, who knows, will they stay or will they go? I mean, I think, I think we'll, like, it was, it was just so unusual to see Jared Hutch walk out of that court. I mean, what would keep him here? Mm. You have to say. I mean, if you listen to the the recordings, which which we both did in court, like he, you know, you can see. I felt a bit of discomfort with the hero kind of worship, but you know, also I would have felt extremely uncomfortable seeing him convicted of murder. I have to say, yeah. But n- nonetheless. Um, in his in his the things on the tape, he was kind of uh, almost sad at times, wasn't he? What his what his family had been sucked of into, it was. and even even a sort of a degree of sadness for. He was in mourning because his brother his brother had was. just been and, killed, but also just the general situation. Like mm. it wasn't a let's go and get them, and I want revenge. It was no, there, was a, no, there wasn't. There was even a, a degree of of sympathy for his rivals. So what will keep Jerry Hutch here? Yeah. I mean, what will keep yeah. him here? I mean, yeah. he has money as by all accounts and you know, I don't I don't I don't know. I don't expect him yeah. to see, I don't expect him to be mixed up in in seeking revenge or 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 anything of the sort. Um I do I did feel a bit of sympathy for sure for for the Byrne family and it must be hard to see him being mm-hmm. lauded. However, he's an innocent man and he deserved to walk out the front door nonetheless. Okay, well, we'll leave it at that. Thanks very much, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday world if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday world responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.